chest. What's up, everyone? Podcast day. And again, this will be actually two fucking weeks in a row that I am on time. Recording this pretty late on a Tuesday night. Uh, decided I was going to attempt the gym tonight. Um, for those of you who don't know, I'm pretty big into the gym and fitness. And I had a bit of a neck injury flying back from Alaska two months ago from San Francisco to Boston. I pinched a nerve in my neck, did a bunch of damage to a disc. All from falling asleep on a goddamn flight through the night. And uh, slowly but surely my strength and my feeling has come back in my arms. So I decided to go take advantage of the fact that I felt a little bit better. So, but I'm coming back and I'm finishing this. Um, this is going to be a pretty sweet episode. Uh, a friend of mine, Derek, Derek uh, is going to be, almost give out his last name. Shit. You guys are almost about to stalk this man. Um, did a Hell in a Cell review with me and we did a quick raw review uh, for the past two nights. So we have that coming up in a few minutes. Uh, just want to say, you know, I'm not sure if uh, WWE is in panic mode or if they are hearing the 8,000 plus podcasts <laughs> that come out every single week where there are people who are either experts on the business, like ex-wrestlers or ex-writers or uh, ex-commentators. Uh, everybody seems to understand what needs to be done to fix the product. And it finally seems like they kind of are going that direction. Um, talk about WWE here. No, no other, no other uh, promotion. Just WWE. Um, Hell in a Cell was really good. I would say eight to eight and a half out of ten. Um, maybe only one throwaway match. Uh, you know, really, really good from start to finish. Um, you're seeing the rise of Roman Reigns getting better in the ring, getting more fan support behind him. Uh, you're seeing, you know, the return of Alberto Del Rio and on Raw, Kevin Owens and Reigns and Rollins getting a fresh program and uh, the show being wrestling heavy. Yes, Vince McMahon, we know it's World Wrestling Entertainment. You're an entertainment company that just happens to settle the scores in the ring. But the NXT formula can work. The NXT formula was on display this past Monday on Raw. I don't know the ratings as of yet. Uh, I'm recording this Tuesday night. I probably will know tomorrow. Um, I would assume that viewership was up. Um, the Raw was good enough to the point where I couldn't wait to watch it today on Hulu. Um, it was one of those Raws where I was checking social media and you know just seeing what everybody was writing about. Oh, this, this Cesaro and Kevin Zones match was great and the Ziggler and Big E match was great and Reigns is doing well and... Um, you know, just all of these storylines progressing, you know, the progressing of the storyline of the Undertaker and the Wyatts. Now, a lot of people at the end of that pay-per-view were split. <clears throat> a lot of people loved the end. They liked that they're doing the 25 years of the Undertaker Survivor Series. And they, some people didn't. Some people were like, oh, what is this? this is, the ending was great until then. It's like, no, the ending was great. They got, they got what they wanted out of Brock and Taker. Brock, still the biggest star in the company. Taker, people think he's going to ride off into the sunset. 
And no, here comes the Wyatt family starting another angle. But the best part is, is that they didn't give too much away. They carried him off. So it made you want to tune into Raw the next day. It made you want to see. And then on Raw, they just gave you a little bit. And they got Kane now. So I see a four-on-four traditional Survivor Series kind of setup with Brock. I mean, not Brock, excuse me. The Wyatts versus Taker and Kane and maybe two other people. Remains to be seen who that's going to be. Um, I want to say thank you to all you guys who have been uh, giving me good feedback, uh, sending me monsters. I uh, have no monster now because it's late at, late at night, and I don't think it's a good time to have one of those. <laughs> uh, but I've had lots of lots of coffee today. I actually went out and I bought a drip coffee maker. I'm not sure if anybody has ever tried those at home. It was on sale uh, for like 20 bucks. Um, be careful with those things because. Uh, those make some pretty strong coffee, depending on how you make it. Um, I was pretty high off coffee all day, so uh, no monster today for me um, going into tonight. So, uh, some pretty good stuff on the horizon. Uh, definitely am going to have on a WWE Hall of Famer in the next couple weeks. Uh, going to get some video to go with it too. That will be posted to the website. Um, working on some other guests. Uh, but I think the conversations that I had today with, uh, with Derek are great. It's the perspective of two fans in their late twenties. Um, and I'm 30, uh, who really are, are aware of what's going on and know what we want in our pro wrestling. And I hope, 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 hope that hell in a cell in this last Monday, Monday's raw was them turning the page and realizing, holy shit. We do have a lot of talented guys. We don't always need to rely on fucking corporate Kane and the authority and Orton and Cena. So here's here's hoping. And in the meantime, <coughs> now I am going to go get some rest so uh, I can get this up in time for you guys. And up next, I have uh, Derek from my wrestling group on Facebook. We're going to be reviewing Hell in a Cell, match to match, and a little bit of Raw. Uh, it's good. It's, in, it's, a, it's insightful. It's fun. Um, subscribe on iTunes, uh, guys, uh, you know, it's fake, right? Podbean.com. Keep sending emails with questions. I'll do a question mailbag next week. I only got a few this week, so I'm going to wait till next week to do them. Uh, you know, it's fake, right? At gmail.com subscribe, send me monster, preferably blue, even though now I like the orange and here's Derek. And we're going to talk about the hell in the cell. All right, guys. Uh, welcome to another edition of, you know, it's fake, right? Podcast. Um, another special guest this week, um, Derek, I'm not going to say his last name, much the same as Stu last week. Cause we don't want anybody receiving death threats. All the death threats get pointed at me still, uh, if you don't like the podcast. So, uh, Derek and I, uh, have never met, uh, face to face. I think we might meet soon at some point, hopefully at the thirsty pig wrestling party coming up this Saturday in Portland, Maine. If you live in the Northeast and you're a wrestling fan and you're not there, then shame on you because it's going to be. Goddamn incredible, uh, if I say so myself. <laughs> um, so Derek and I are on a, a Facebook group together. Uh, we're basically, uh, it's called Still Real to Me, Damn It. If you're a mark like us, you know exactly what that means. Um, and basically, it's a place for us to come together and, uh, and bitch and complain and say what we like and what we don't like. And uh, so he is a guest today, and we're going to go over uh, Hell in a Cell, and we're going to go over uh, last night's Raw, which I thought was much, much better. So uh, Derek, uh, welcome to the uh, welcome to the podcast. Hey, it's good to be here. Uh, actually, another connection we have, I'm not sure if you're aware, uh, both Skywagon Indians. Oh, what year did you graduate? 2006. Okay, so you were, 
You were a freshman when I was a senior because I graduated in 03. Yeah. Is my math right? Okay, yeah. All right. Did, did we ever... Through the yearbook. Did... through the yearbook the other day. It was a little weird. <laughs> I think I had done away with the bowl cup by then. Um, you know, if I... If I think of it, I might throw up a picture of uh, my old bowl cut photo in a scavenging because I have the scavenging yearbook sitting here. Because for some reason, when I go home, I plow through all of my old like high school stuff. Because for some reason, my mom has not uh, changed my room since high school since I left. I'm not sure if that's a cool thing or a weird thing, uh, but every <laughs> everything's still there. So there's still a lot of bowl cut stuff uh, still happening over there in Smithfield. So. Um, but yeah, scavenging Indians, man. I mean, uh, totally off topic, but um, what's your take on? the uh the indian kind of controversy that's been going on with the name you know i didn't think i had much of an opinion on it until it sort of came under fire yeah uh and then all of a sudden i was just really adamant about keeping the name yeah uh and i mean that's i'm not i I can't really say one side is right or the other i just i know how i feel and if it changes i'll be upset but it won't be the end of the world um But it looks like right now they're they're they voted to keep it. So, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I don't know. It's kind of like it's just so funny because like ten years ago when I was there, um, it wasn't even something like you thought about when you said it, and it wasn't that big of a deal. I just think that keeping things politically correct now is is what everybody tries to do. I mean, you see it everywhere, even in wrestling. I mean, it's it's just uh, I think to appease everybody we're just gonna have to go to a much i think it hurts society but it also helps society i think like you said either way um i think it will be awkward the first couple years when the name happens but it's one of those things where if it's in the hands of if it's offending somebody then which a lot of things offend a lot of people now um it's pretty much what the internet is uh i think you kind of have to listen to those people but at the same time i don't i don't have a i don't have a say neither here nor there i just kind of think that uh, it's become something that was is is more of an issue than it needs to be, basically. So with that being said, now now if you guys are completely if you guys turned off the podcast for our little trip down memory lane because we both went to school in uh, the middle of nowhere in Skowhegan, Maine, uh, we are going to jump right into basically going over Hell in a Cell, which I have to say I don't know how you feel about it, but I feel like WWE gets into these weird three to four or five weeks uh, before a pay per view and they put on like really really subpar television like they really uh you know undertaker never appear i think brock might have appeared twice i think he was at the raw in boston i went to in the week before oh the week before undertaker did appear yep the 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 raw before um and then you have this rollins and kane program and they kind of put on not too much to hook you in but then for some reason ever since like the middle of the summer uh before money in the bank uh when they started with Owens and Cena programs, they've been putting on pretty decent pay-per-views, pretty good pay-per-views. I think this was the strongest one of the last five, six months. Um, so it's like this weird thing that they do now where they almost feel like it's not as important to put on a great raw and it's raw is kind of like a placeholder. Like, do you, do you think that too? Or am I the only person kind of, kind of thinking that? I do sort of get the feeling sometimes that they think if they put on a good pay-per-view, it sort of negates the fact that the last, several raws have been subpar yeah like we won't notice so yeah for the, for a long time I've, I've sort of felt like they think oh we can just hit it out of the park once a month and the rest of it will just the rest is just details you know yeah it's 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 a weird thing but with that being said after we talk about hell in a cell i think that 
last night's Raw um, was a drastic and, you know, just really, as far as if you look back at three weeks ago of what Raw was putting out with um, Rollins and Kane, uh, just kind of that storyline and that taking up so many segments of the show to last night, having like, you know, Cena, Orton's gone, um, you know, Undertaker's gone, Brock's not there. And to see them actually focus on wrestling and have it be a wrestling heavy show and have all of the matches be really, really good, uh, minus one or two and have it build to like a really organic kind of crazy ending where the crowd was completely into it. You know, it remains to be seen if the crowd is that hyped next week and the week after for what they were putting on the ring. It could have just been a really hot crowd, but um, I thought last night's Raw was like an eight and a half out of 10, maybe a nine. I mean, it really, for for next generation and for guys that need to actually push, I think last night was was great. But anyway, so, uh, so Hell in a Cell. Um, again, I had a little get-together here. Uh, it's cool because it's usually myself, uh, maybe one or two guys that actually watch wrestling, and then a few people that don't. So it's always cool to see like that dynamic of if the people who don't watch it can follow along, because I think that is that's evidence that the show is really good if they can too. Um, so, uh, opening match, we had Cena, uh, with the U S open challenge. Cause obviously he's going away here for a few, a few months, uh, to, to do a TV show, I think is what people are saying on the internet. Um, and I don't know about you, but when Zeb Coulter came out, I almost had a depression kind of just wash over me where I was like, I swear to God, if they bring out Jack Swagger, this pay-per-view is going to get turned off right now. <laughs> um, uh, but it was actually Alberto Del Rio, which which I didn't expect. I saw some rumors, but it just goes to show you, I guess, with Alberto that uh, you can get fired for uh, slapping an employee because he said something racist to you and you can still eventually end up back there a year later. So um, this match was kind of weird, though, don't you think? I mean, it was it was six or seven minutes. I didn't expect the finish. The finish like came out of nowhere. Um, kind of with that kick, and I, I think it was just to yeah. get it was. I think it was just to get Cena out of the way and get him out of there. But given the fact that it usually takes about nine finishers to beat Cena, I I was like supremely caught off guard. Uh, yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, right. I was so, thinking. I was thinking the same thing when when I first uh, heard the music. I thought, "Are you kidding me?" Because I I mean, if you follow along, you would know that for you you would have known for the last few weeks that Cena was going out. So really, the draw was, well, how's it going to happen? And I'd read a lot of the rumors, and I thought, I had my fingers so, so crossed for Daniel Bryan. Uh, I think a lot of people would have lost their minds for that. Uh, yes, I uh, would have too. <laughs> yes. And really, even if it wasn't Daniel Bryan, there were any number of better options. And then I heard the music, and I thought Jack Swagger, like everybody else. And yeah, I almost... I almost just turned it off. Like, are you kidding me? I, I, I've gone through five, four or five weeks or however long of knowing for this. And then it was Del Rio, and I, I kind of didn't know how to feel about it at first. I was surprised. I was shocked. Uh, there, you know, there were whispers that he might come back for the Royal Rumble or whatever. Um, so it was a shock. But, yeah, w- uh, like what you were saying, the biggest shock was the, just the abrupt finish. I was really, because, I mean, Cena could get run over by a truck, and he'd probably still kick out at two and a half. <laughs> yep. So, for Del, I mean, don't get me wrong, I feel like what they were maybe thinking about was that 
Cena just got his nose smashed off of his face like a few weeks ago. Yeah. The the Rollins uh, knee. So maybe like for some reason a kick to his face would hurt extra bad. I'm not, I'm not really sure what like what the plan was, but it was I, really anticlimactic for just like one innocuous kick to the face that Del Rio does in every match and never wins with it to be the thing. Yeah, I. It's it's really funny how. In the beginning, this has been such a big part of Raw and the pay-per-views, the open challenge, and they provided some of the best matches of Cena's career, I think. And like that anticipation, it was so weird to see this become, as the show progressed, almost the low point of the night or afterthought. Like, um, I think I was more excited about it because if you're like a mark like us or people who know what's go what goes on behind the scenes... If you're just some kid who who follows along with WWE, you're just happy, or you're like, oh, I haven't seen Alberto Darito in a while. But if you know why he was fired and why he was back, I think that was part of the big reaction. So the big reaction helped a little bit. Um, and then I guess it was just kind of lazy booking. I guess maybe he came in late, and maybe they didn't have time to you know really carve out a match or whatever they were thinking. But um, it was, I thought it was just going to be a false finish. It, when, when it happened, I was like, well, that's one way to to get him out the door. I mean, I think. Um, I think they were just interested in doing something that wasn't memorable so that when he comes back, nobody really remembers how he lost the belt and maybe he won't even be in the picture when he gets back. But, um, another thing, uh, I do find it hilarious that he's with Zeb Coulter, who his gimmick before was pretty much being an open racist and talking about illegals. And now they're, (laughs) they're paired together. Yeah. So that's kind of funny to me. I'm, I'm wondering if that's almost like an inside joke on Del Rio about why he left or the money. All I can say is the money must be really good uh, for certain people's contracts in WWE for them to uh, go back after something like that. Um, but yeah. So yeah, so that was, that was the opening match. Uh, one thing we didn't touch on, I skipped right over it cause I was just jumping in there was the, we'll just touch on it for a few minutes um, because it's, it's the group of guys that are, the brass ring club, so to speak. We had uh, Neville, Cesaro, and Ziggler in a pre-show match versus uh, Rusev, was it Wade Barrett, and who else was in there? Um, Sheamus. Sheamus. Oh, Jesus Christ. So, <clears throat> I obviously the baby faces were going to get the win here, and it was going to be a nice match to get the crowd hyped up. Um, the only thing I want to touch on is the ending was really good. The match was pretty good. Uh, the ending got really entertaining and good at the end. Um Neville is a huge disappointment to me, not in his in-ring ability or what he's done. I'm disappointed with what WWE has done with him. Uh, the Ziggler and Rusev storyline is was a complete disaster, and everybody knows that story. Um, Cesaro, to me, is I'm not sure why they're booking him this way. Um, the guy's match last night on Raw with Owens and his work in the ring and how seemingly like he keeps getting more and more athletic um, and how much the crowd is behind him. Uh I really feel like they need to move him into something else. And eventually down the road, there's only so many guys Brock can face. I think a Cesaro Brock match at some point in the next couple of years has to happen. Um, and as far as the heels go, Sheamus with the briefcase, I feel he will not cash it in successfully. Uh, who knows what they're doing with Rusev and Wade Barrett, I think has not won a match in what, since King of the Ring. So uh, for who was in the match for this to be on the pre-show was kind of surprising. Uh, but again, it just goes to show you, there's all these guys that can do well and can perform well, but they're just not being, they're not giving attention. They're not having attention given to them. Um, 
so that was that I mean, that was kind of my take i was happy with this little match to get people kind of excited but other than that this really was this really had no storyline behind it you know and it's it's a shame too because i feel like five out of the six guys in this match really do deserve better than what they got which is the pre-show just yeah. like a, a quick hype match so so neville can hit the big spot and pop the crowd before the show starts um Aside from Sheamus, who I'm, I'm really kind of burned out on. I I just don't care about Sheamus when he at, like when he says, "Are you not entertained?" No, no, we're I not. Never am. <laughs> so, but yeah, five of those guys in the match all deserve better than what they got, which was just just it was a nice match for what it for the purpose that it served, but it was predictable and forgettable. Yeah. I agree, which is which is sad because I think that um, I was talking to I talked with my roommate quite a bit about this, and uh, you know when you really look at it, they have the tag team belts, U.S. champ Intercontinental, and now there's only one championship. Um, I wasn't a fan of when they had two, but I really feel like now they need two more than ever because WWE, it, it just from looking at it, they. They don't have a. They, so it's almost like they have ADD. It's like they give certain things attention, and the other things are like, oh well, we can't be bothered with these other guys who are great, and we'll just stick them wherever, you know. And then bring back a light heavyweight belt or, or a cruiserweight belt, and have you know like your Neville. You know, Neville should be that guy. Cesaro should be, um, you know, you know he'd be a great candidate for the big gold belt, the old world heavyweight belt they did away with. Like you know, they're. You know, Bray Wyatt, you know, we'll get into this in a second, but like there's so many guys that are so talented that should have some sort of belt or something. And I think now when they have these belts, they 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 give attention to who has the belt and not who's like pushing towards the belt. You know what I mean? There's no plans for anybody to get near the belts. Um, so I think right, having well, I think having more belts would help, to be honest with you. And I think you might be right. I think the great thing about having um, having another belt, say a cruiserweight title, is well, all right. WWE can't be bothered with writing, uh, you know, a compelling story. Well, if you bring back the belt, like that is the story. You know, yeah. if they want to be lazy about it. Fine. Like I wish you wouldn't be, but if you're going to be, the the belt is the ultimate crutch because if you have no story, the belt is the story. Same thing, yeah, and that's ultimate proof with the U.S. title. You know what I mean? And and granted, sometimes the person carrying the belt shouldn't have the belt, i.e., Miz with the world title, or uh, I think Jack Swagger had the world title. You know, sometimes the belt Perfect, elevates. Yeah. They don't. They don't. You know, they the belt helps them more than they help the belt. But I, you know, for instance, like at some point, Sami Zayn's gonna come up. You know, at some point, like. You got these guys in NXT who are like Gable, who's a small guy. You have like Finn Balor, who's a small guy but can work with larger guys. You have a lot of guys in NXT that are just smaller guys now. That when they eventually end up on the main roster, you know, Tyler Breeze. Tyler Breeze is a smaller guy. He's like my height, 5'11". You know, he's like 200 pounds. You know, it's like why can't he be in a program with like um, Neville for or even Dolph Ziggler? Lightweight, heavy, you know, light, light heavyweight or cruiserweight. Like those are all people that could be used a different way, and it can mean something because they're going for a belt, even if it's not the big one. Um, they're not going to get lost in the shuffle. And that way, when you're booking, you can work, you can work backwards and and lead towards something as opposed to just being like, well, we have this program, but we don't. Nothing's going to come of it. It's going to be who wins and who loses. So, um, I think 
people are kind of itching for something with all those guys. And if management can't see that Cesaro is clearly very, very over, um, they're blind. Because when I went to that house show, not house show, Raw in Boston, Cesaro did a main event taping like 10 minutes before the show started. Probably top two or three pops of the night behind um, behind like Cena, which is like a mix of booze and shit. And Lesnar. I mean, Cesaro had the loudest ovation, like completely, you know, people love the guy. And maybe it doesn't come across on TV, but um, they need to oh, do... I think he's great. Yeah, he, uh, he really is. I match with Kevin Owens last night, like, I would watch that match every night. Oh. And it would never get old for me. Yeah, it was great. And the thing is, too, is he's not... He does, he does his signature moves, but he keeps, at least up until this point, has kept evolving his moves like he he keeps bringing in like these things that you know that flip he does off the ropes where he does like a almost a 360 and it's perfectly executed and it helps that owens is great too and takes it great um the way he hops around the ring but also has the power um and they're all about you know well he he can't talk it's like well roman reigns can't talk and he he shouldn't talk so if cesaro's role is to not get on a microphone and cut a 10 minute promo let him be a fucking badass. Why does he have to be a Cena who can go out there and talk about breast cancer for 20 minutes? Like, it's not... They need to understand their talent a little bit better, which seems very hard for them to do. There should It shouldn't be hard for them to do, but it seems like that's something that really gives them a hard time. So, uh, next up, we had... Right into the first uh, Hell in a Cell with Bray Wyatt and Roman Reigns is kind of their... This is their, uh, their blow-off match here. Um, what were your thoughts on what were your thoughts on this match? Uh, I thought it was I thought it was the best match of the night, to be honest. Uh, besides Brock versus Taker, which is sort of in a class by itself. The thing I didn't the thing that that always bothers me. I'm a big fan of like the story has to make sense. And I maybe like one angle doesn't have anything to do with another, but. For example, I mean, Cena got kicked in the face on Sunday, and he's going to be gone for months, <laughs> or at least for a few weeks. And Roman Reigns was in, I mean, what is billed as one of the most dangerous and physically grueling matches that WWE can offer. And he came back last night, and he, was, he didn't limp, he, his ribs weren't taped, like, he looked perfectly fine, and then he just tore through two matches in one night, one night removed from... Again, this amazingly grueling, just outrageous battle with Bray Wyatt—it's a little hard for me to buy. It, well, that I mean, that, that just speaks to WWE thinking that we as fans don't have—we uh, don't like to be rewarded for paying attention, or that we don't pay attention. Because I think, I think they think that most of the fans are ten-year-old kids who. Once Raw is over, once a pay-per-view is over, it's done, it didn't happen, and the next night there's a reset button. You know, I think that, um, and that's the reason why you see declining ratings, because there's me, who just turned 30, and however old you are, and people from 20 to 30, or in their mid-30s, who grew up on, well, you know, show some effects of the night before. I mean, think about even like back in the Attitude Era into the early 2000s, somebody would walk out with a limp, they would walk out with their ribs wrapped, um, just something, just something to carry over. Um, it's just these constant examples of them being kind of, kind of lazy. It would have even, I thought last night was a huge night for Reigns and finally getting a pretty good face reaction and really kind of letting his work get people on his side. I think it would have been 
doubly good for him if he would have done it injured or done it like showing signs of the night before. People would have even sympathized even more with him. But he, they want him to be like this Superman, Super Cena thing, and which is you should never try to base somebody off somebody that you know was before. You know, it's like The Rock and Stone Cold weren't anything like Hulk Hogan. And, you know, Ceno uh, wasn't anything like, you know, The Rock and Stone Cold. So you can't keep trying to, like, make the same person over and over again, which is what I think they're trying to do. But this match, as most people know, I'm a, I'm a Reigns advocate. I think he has gotten substantially better in the last year. I'm a huge Bray Wyatt fan. I think they need to book him much more like The Undertaker. He has the gift of gab. He is great in the ring for a big guy. Um, they just book him to lose too much. And it's like, they think that these wins and losses don't mean anything. Well, it kind of does. I mean, especially when you're building up something like the streak or how nobody's beaten certain people, it has to mean something. So it, obviously Reigns had to win here because there's a, there's a bigger plan, but I'd like to see him, see them take care of Bray Wyatt more. That's, that's what I would like to see. But overall, I thought this match was a four or five um, it's so funny when Reigns comes out, he gets half booed, half cheered. Um, but then through the match in the last couple months, you'll see him get the people on his side. And when he won, the crowd popped and they started popping when there was more violence and there were some good spots. And, um, you know, the ending is clearly, you know, they're going to try to go with Reigns now for, for number one contender. But, uh, I thought this was really good. I think he's improved really, 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 really well. Um, but I just wish that they had never done this feud because it didn't, it didn't really help Reigns. I think it helped him a little bit in the ring, um, helping get the people on his side, but not until the very end. And it definitely did not hurt. Definitely did not help Bray. It, in no way, shape, or form does Bray look better after this. Um, do, do you kind of feel the same way about that? Well, I feel like over the last few months, this feud has been going on for months now, since Money in the Bank. Yeah, five um, months, four or five months. <laughs> yeah, and so I, over the last few months, I feel like the the tide has been shifting in Reigns' favor. He still gets a split reaction, but it's less of a split reaction. I mean, there are the people who who will hate him just for the sake of hating him. Yeah. Well, I'm willing. I was willing to give him a chance. I didn't want him to win at WrestleMania this year I, because, like a lot of people, I didn't think he was prepared. But now he's had some time. It's sort. He's sort of gotten over the way we wanted him to organically. Just you know, his ring work has gotten better. His his. Uh, I mean, his promo work is still not excellent but it's getting better marginally so he's sort of worked himself into this place where we're ready to accept him as as maybe as at least the number one contender and maybe going forward even the champion if that's if they wanted to pull the trigger with that um but i thought i thought the decision was weird i know i know reigns needs to win but if you're like if your closing image is the wyatt family carrying the undertaker off into the like the darkness or whatever um it, it just seems like a weird decision to have bray who lost earlier in the night come out and attack you know your biggest uh draw in the last 20 years you know <clears throat> i think we'll get to that at the end but i actually i actually like that because the, the match with bray and and roman was a dead-end feud right so it had you know it just didn't make any sense and it didn't it didn't progress week to week to keep you hooked i like this because there was a hook as to what what was happening and that you had to 
tune in or keep following along to see what will happen, which I think it's going to end up as a Survivor Series typical match with all of the Wyatts versus Kane, Undertaker, and two other opponents who I don't know who they could possibly bring in. Um, and it can kind of lead to that. Um, granted, it was random, very, very random at the end. I kept thinking something was going to happen. I didn't expect that. Um, but if that was their only way to get to that point, um, I didn't mind it. So, uh, I mean, yeah, I, I, I think I think overall these guys delivered. I agree with you. I think it was the best match of the night, um, you know, next to Taker and Brock, which is, you know, Taker and Brock. So, um, so yeah. So, next up we had, was it the Divas? No, it was Tag Team Match. Excuse me. Um, not much to say about this. I was really excited to see the Dudley Boys come back when they came back, but... Um, I just think the New Day is just just too good right now to take the belts off them. I think that they are so funny, so entertaining. Um, they're one of the most entertaining things that like uh, people see. You know, for casual fans, they entertain you. Like when I have my girlfriend watch with me, or we go we go to live events, she loves the New Day because they're they're fucking hilarious. You know what I mean? Um, and I think they it's all really funny. It's really it's funny. funny that you bring that up. Yeah, and and because, so uh, for the, for the same reason, uh, my girlfriend does not care about professional wrestling she indulges me when i watch it but i i asked her once like just please check it out maybe you'll find something to like about it <laughs> and she saw the new day and she's like well, these guys are actually like legitimately hilarious i don't know anything about wrestling but why does that guy have a trombone you know, like that's just it's just ridiculous to the point of being laugh out loud funny at times but they all but they all they're they're great. Even though people are starting to like them because they're so entertaining, they're still amazing heels. Like the one spot in the match where uh, he threw Bubba the, tr- the the trombone and then fell down like Eddie Guerrero. Like just classic heel stuff. And just um, they're 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 making fun of their opponents when they come to the ring. Um, you know, I I thought it was hilarious that. Uh, you know, and they keep getting they keep adding like fresh new funny things like the unicorn thing popped up like a week ago. They already have possibly one of the best shirts ever to come out in WWE shop of all of them riding a unicorn with, a, with a trombone. Um, and yeah. it's, it's just like, it's like they, they're so hot right now. It would, it would be, if they're going to lose the belts, I would like to see them keep them all the way to mania and then have it be an upstart tag team because the Dudleys are good and they're a nostalgia act. I feel shitty now because as much as I think that they're great, I don't think that it would be great to put the belts on them because, again, they're older. And they WWE needs to stop going back to older talents. It's okay to bring back a Del Rio who's not older. He just used to be there. Now he's he's still young and he's still good, great in the ring. Um, so I kind of feel shitty about that. Um, but at the same time, the New Day is too entertaining to take the belts off. I think they did a good job here. Um, I'm interested to see what they do with the Dudleys going forward if they keep this going or if they kind of keep pushing them down the the tag card which isn't very deep at the moment so it's funny because new day is sort of on on their own level like who's next you know if if not the dudleys who have such a they have such a like an extended history and 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 illustrious careers you know it makes sense but new day is just on their own plane so who's going to match them and who's going to like convincingly take the belts off them? I'm not really sure. I think the only team right now that could possibly do it is, and it's been long overdue, is Enzo and Big Cass from NXT. I mean, they, 
as far as being the funny, because they're funny, but their faces versus New Day funny and heels. And to me, in the last couple weeks, or at least months since NXT Brooklyn, they hit their peak at NXT Brooklyn. Like, they should have won the belts there. And I thought, well, they didn't win the belts, so maybe they're going to debut them on Raw. But they ended up debuting the Deadly Boys the day after on Raw, um, or the two days after on Raw. I think that if anybody's ready from NXT to come up next, who people would miss in NXT but could benefit the main roster, it's definitely Enzo and Big Cass. Um, I think those two guys should be brought up before the end of the new year and kind of go head-to-head with the New Day. I mean, that that would be an entertaining tag match, which to think that the tag team division is now somewhat entertaining because of the New Day. A year ago, if you would have told me that, I would have said you're completely lying. Um, but I think those guys coming up could bolster it even farther than it already is. Well, uh, I would love to see that. I'm a huge, huge mark for, for Enzo and Big Cass. I did hear, though, I think uh, Big Cass recently broke his leg. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I saw that he yeah. had, I saw that he had injured it and I saw, um, I, 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 I guess he's still able to like come to the ring though. And he wraps it. So I saw a picture the other day of them doing a show in Florida and he had a huge like wrap all over it. So it, I think it's a very minor break that he can be back in a month or two from, it's not like something where he's going to have his leg in a cast for like a year. Um, but I know, yeah, like you said, I mean, so obviously that would, that would delay it, but, um, but yeah, I, th- I think they're the next in line to come up because when you look at the tag team division, you know the uh, the lucha libre kind of wrestlers like um, Los Matadores and uh, Sin Cara and those guys like they are strictly like house show acts is what you want to call them because every time I go to a house show, they're always there. They always do that generic match, and it's there's no substance to them. You know what I mean? So, um, and the primetime players are are I just think are the worst thing. <laughs> like. I just I can't get into Titus and Darren. Like Darren Young is is a great wrestler, but I can't get into them as a team. It just doesn't re- this doesn't resonate with me at like at all. Um, but yeah, so it kind of feels like Titus is trying to have enough charisma for the both of them, and it's just not working out. Yeah, he does that stupid bark thing too, which makes me always want to turn the TV off. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so next up we have the quote unquote Divas Revolution match with Nikki Bella and Charlotte. Um, I thought this was a lot better. This is a lot better than I expected. Um, what do you think? I mean, they they got a pretty solid amount of time. Aside aside from the championship match and the the two uh, Hell in a Cell matches, they got the most time on the actual card. Um, and I thought, I mean, everyone kind of knew that Charlotte was going to win because. She just won the belt, you know. It, it would be yeah. weird to to pull the trigger on that and then just give Nikki the belt right back a few weeks later. Yeah. So, but even with the foregone conclusion that she was probably going to win, I thought it was an okay match uh, for what they were trying to do. I thought it was okay too. I think it's such a weird time for women's wrestling because it's everybody feels this way. I mean, you have the Bellas who are there because Vince McMahon still thinks that that's what everybody wants to see in 2015 and um, NXT is a smaller audience but it's clear people would rather watch 99% of people would rather watch a Sasha Banks and Bailey match over um, an Alicia Fox and like Natalia match Natalia can go but they're in this weird transitional phase where they're trying to make the women's division or divas division legitimate again and I just think it's going to take time because 
people are, have been so used to seeing like this generic diva, which is Nikki Bella and, you know, these idiots like Eva Marie and like all of these people. And I just don't think even perverts don't want to see that. I mean, maybe perverts in the crowd are like, oh my God, Nikki Bella. But like most people that go to wrestling shows would rather see like Sasha Banks or Becky Lynch fucking for fuck's sake. Becky Lynch, I think has been in like two or three matches in a few months of being there and that they've been like mixed tags. Um, if they want the, the women's division instead of the divas division, they need to change the name. And number two, they need to give them time to wrestle. So how the people were portrayed last night on raw in that tournament for the number one contender, let your women go out there. Sasha Banks, Bailey, Charlotte, not Bailey, excuse me, Becky Lynch, Charlotte, Paige, and Natalia. Let them fucking wrestle. Like, give them 10 or 12 minutes and let them wrestle. That's the only way that things are going to change because right now you have this person in Charlotte who's super athletic who can go, just like Sasha Banks and Becky Lynch, but she has to kind of, I feel, work slower, work down to Nikki Bella's work rate, which what what was she required to do in the last three years of being WWE? Like, legitimately, like two or three minute matches on Raw that were nothing so i think that they're in like this weird phase where they're trying to change but it's going to take a while and i think calling it the divas revolution was was supremely premature and they should have not done that whatsoever and they should have just brought them up and kind of let it let it organically kind of come out you know what i mean well on the one hand with this match last night i did kind of like the the fact that it was just a straight up title match you know just the two of them no like screwiness from the outside but on the other hand, that's, I mean, when it, it sort of draws attention to the fact that the best thing about this quote-unquote Divas Revolution for the last few weeks has been the woman who usually is not wrestling the match, which is Sasha Banks. Right. Uh, I who, mean, I, who, I, who I fucking love and my girlfriend is being for Halloween, but continue. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Sorry, I lost my train of thought. Oh, Sasha yeah, Banks. I, yeah, yeah, I thought I thought it was good for for what they were trying to do. Um, it was a little abrupt. Um, I thought the Alabama Slam on the like on the the apron was vicious. Like, yeah, that was one of those oh damn moments. Like I know they probably practiced it, and it probably didn't hurt as much as I thought, but it looked incredible. Um, but then they they didn't really didn't really follow up on that. Like they, it just kind of went to this abrupt, like, Oh wait, she's in the figure eight and she tapped out. Yeah. It's eh. see, but this is the thing. This is why I get so upset because they, you like that match that Sasha and Becky Lynch had back. I want to say before the beginning of the new year on NXT was incredible. Um, Charlotte's had incredible matches. The Bailey and Sasha Banks matches speak for themselves. Um, and it's one of those things where you, you like that NXT lets them do that, but it's this thing where until Vince McMahon is gone and until Triple H has control of Raw, I don't think you're ever going to see a 10 or 12 minute you know, main event or semi-main event with Becky and Sasha where they're just let loose and they're, they're, they're able to do what they want to do and it, it, it sucks and you, you know, that's the weird thing that's happening now with NXT and WWE is, you know, they claim that it's a niche audience or whatever. 
I, I, I don't think so. And I haven't seen what the rating yet was from last night, but last night felt like more like an NXT show in Raw. You know, it went by, it didn't drag on. There was always the next match and the next match and the next match. And I think that res- when wrestling comes first, I think that everybody wins as much as they want to try to say their entertainment and their, you know, and they are, they do a lot of stuff with entertainment. They try to brand themselves as more than wrestling. I, just don't forget what got you there in the first place. You know what I mean? And that's why people still freak out when there's great matches because it's a great match, not because of the promo before or the explosions or any of that shit. Like they like it because it's a good match. So don't forget that WWE. Um, okay. So next up, the one that I, I literally, uh, this was my piss break and this was my food break. Uh, the Kane versus Seth Rollins. I don't think we need to spend too much time on this. This was a Kane was a placeholder. Um, if he loses, he had to, you know, Corporate K had to go away. So now we get the weird Demon Kane version of him again. Um, do you have any thoughts on this? Anything stood out to you besides the fact that Seth Rollins finally won? Or do we need to just kind of skip over this one? Well, no, I mean, it was, again, another one of those matches that everyone knew what the outcome would be. Um, and I do, I am glad that they kind of did away with the Corporate Kane, Demon Kane, like, I mean, I thought the angle was pretty funny, just because Kane just sold it so well. Yeah, like he had he always came in with that shit eating grin, and he just really tried to sell it. But all in all, like it was an angle that needed to end. So now I feel bad because now he's just Demon Kane all the time, and no one cares. But maybe they can get him into something with the Undertaker and the Wyatt family looks like the direction that they're headed in after last night. Uh, I mean, but I was I was glad the match ended in a reasonably short amount of time for a title match. I agree. I, I had no interest in this match. Um, like I said, I got up and went to the bathroom, got a beer, got some food. Um, you know, and also, too, when you look back at Seth Rollins, like, Seth has his track record of putting on amazing matches at pay-per-view started last year at the rumble and the triple threat with Cena and and Lesnar. I mean, he does steal the show. He really does at every pay-per-view. They build him up to be a pussy on raw. But then I looked at, okay, he's facing Kane who cannot do a lot of the stuff that Cena can do. Or, uh, you know, some of the other guys he's worked with where he's had really good matches, Ambrose, so I was like, there's no way Seth can, can save this match. He did good. He did well. But there's only so much stuff they could do. Um, so I'm happy that I'm happy that this storyline's over. I'm happy that what, la- what happened last night happened. Roman's the next obvious choice. How quickly they're going to let Roman win or get to that point is leaves to be determined. Um, but I'm happy that's kind of over. And obviously, kind of Kane slides right into the feud with the Wyatts, wherever they're going with that. But again, what I like is not too much was answered that night. Not too much was answered Monday night. It's going to keep you engaged and wanting to figure out what's going on, which is a good thing that WWE has really kind of, I feel, has lost track of over the last couple you know, months and years. Um, next up, uh, worst match of the night, which I never thought I'd be saying this about a Kevin Owens match. Um, but, like I said, he was working with Ryback, who I've openly said on this program, I cannot stand. Probably a really nice guy. Um, he is everything that I despise about WWE, like this big jacked up guy, you know, stupid catchphrases. Um, I don't, and even seeing him on table for three, I hate him even more because he comes off as a guy who takes himself way too seriously. 
Um, and he, there's only so much you can do with a, you know, with a, with a broom, you know, Kevin Owens could have a good match with a broom, but you know, I'm happy this was short. I'm happy he got the win. I'm happy that the IC champ is Kevin Owens, but I can't recall any spots in this match that I remember being like, you know, that were standout spots. Um, I just think Ryback will continue to kind of fall down the card where he needs to be and he'll be like a house show attraction. I just don't see any money in Ryback or anybody getting behind him. And that's that's just, I feel bad even saying that, but, you know, that's just what I think. Is that, uh, do you share the same sentiments about uh, about Kevin Owens and the, the Ryback match? Well, I felt bad because this was my, like, piss break, uh, beer break, food break. And I I love Kevin Owens. I love what he's doing. I love that he's making the most of what he's been given, which when you're working with Ryback isn't a lot. You know, <laughs> it's Kevin Owens, this masterful promo guy who's basically talking to the wall, you know, and basically wrestling a broomstick. So, I mean, a big broomstick. But <laughs> it's uh, So I felt bad that he got shafted with five or six minutes, but... You know, it's basically just this was a this was an obligation of a feud. You know, he won the title from Ryback. Ryback needed his his rematch, and now hopefully Owens can move on to something more worthy of of what he brings to the table. I think they went away from Owens and Cesaro too soon. I think they they have a lot of of great matches left in them. I'm not sure why they only did one pay per view with them. Um, but I think Owens and Cesaro should be the next should be the next thing. You know, who knows after last night? Um, Owens and Ziggler could be great. Just kind of depends on where they where they want to position Owens. I think even Kevin Owens versus Brock Lesnar eventually down the road would. I see Cesaro, I see Reigns, and I see um, Kevin Owens as being the main challengers to to Brock. And I think people would really really get behind that, especially now that Kevin Owens is almost like a. I mean, he's portrayed as a heel, but he's so good, and he's such a piece of shit heel. Like he plays that character so well, people like him. You know what I mean? And it's just kind of one of those oh, things I where love it. I love such an asshole. Oh, I love it too. I mean, it was one of those things where my roommate uh, had never heard of him prior. He watches wrestling with me, but all he knows of wrestling is what he watches with me. So he had never heard of Kevin Steen, Kevin Owens, and uh, I mean, he's easily his favorite guy. I mean, he he is just so entertaining as a bad guy. And doesn't try to pander to the audience to get them to like him like some other heels, which I love. Um, but I'm happy he is done with this feud with with Ryback because, uh, you know, the, the t- put it this way. Ryback gets no reaction when he comes out now. I don't know if nobody realizes that in WWE. Um, they, need to, they need to look at that and figure out why and maybe even turn him heel. Because when I went to a show in Portland, he had zero reaction. No booze, no cheers, zero reaction. I'm like, okay, well, maybe when we go to Boston with 10,000 more people, it will be different. Uh, it was a Kevin Owens uh, kind of thing where he beat up Sin Cara and then he ran out. Uh, maybe lasted two or three minutes. Zero reaction from a raw audience for this guy. So I would be concerned if I was them and I was him that getting booed and getting cheered is good, but when you're not getting anything, that's not good at all. Um, I'm not really sure where they're going to go with Ryback. Just please keep him away from Kevin Owens in the foreseeable future. So, moving along, um, last match of the night, uh, Hell in a Cell, uh, you know, what can you say? What what were what were your takeaways from this match? I mean, they're really pushing the, like, this is the Undertaker swan song, and it, it's pretty clear um, that that's what's going on. 
They're pushing Survivor Series as his 25th anniversary, so I assume that he'll be doing something there. Um, but we're all sort of aware, like, we don't have a lot of time left with this character. So they're trying to get as many good matches out of him as, as they can. And last night was a, it was a good match. Um, and I feel bad saying just good because, uh, you know, it's The Undertaker and Brock Lesnar. Uh, I did I did think it was sort of poetic that Lesnar won with the dick kick or the punch or whatever, the low blow. Yep. Uh, after having, you know, having suffered through that so many times in the last few matches that they've had or encounters that they've had. Um, but overall, yeah, I thought it was, I mean, the blood, people say, oh, it's PG, you can't have blood, but the blood really does add something to a match like Hell in a Cell. And whether it was on purpose or whether it was the hard way, which it looked like it was. Well, I, I kind of go back and forth because it it looked like Lesnar got opened up after he very clearly blocked like a a head slam to the to the ring post. Like it was a very clear that he got his hand up, but then after that he was bleeding profusely. So I don't know if they did it on purpose or if he just kind of like went into business for himself there. But it did really enhance my view of the match from that perspective. Well, I'll tell you one thing. No matter what WWE says or what issue, what statements they issue, both of those guys, uh, Bladed, uh, did it on purpose because the... So, number one with Lesnar, and I agree with you, blood in that match, it, it didn't need it, but it made it so much better. And if any two guys are going to do it and take the heat for doing it, it's Brock and Taker. Like, realistically speaking... Brock is the kind of guy who legitimately, if Vince McMahon probably yelled at him about it, he'd go, well, I'm going to go home and because he can't be bullied. Taker is Taker, and Vince is not going to say anything to him. The When Lesnar got cut, if you go back and you watch WrestleMania 31 with him and Reigns, he did the exact same spot. So I'm not sure how he does it. It's so much more intriguing to figure it out because back in the day, you could see guys just pull a blade out and just kind of do it, and the camera would go away. The spot with Brock was the exact same spot from WrestleMania where he goes into the post. He doesn't go in too hard. He kind of blocks it. And then they come back to him and he's bleeding profusely. So, I mean, it's never, and they never show him hit from uh, the adjacent side or the opposite side. So my thinking is that there's something on the post and he knows where it is and he knows how to put his head on it briefly or there's something in his glove. But he definitely, I mean, there's just no way because people can't figure it out. For Taker, I've listened to like reports and podcasts, and for some reason, I don't know why everybody's missing this, but when they're outside and Lesnar starts punching him in the head with his with his hand, everybody's been like, well, he probably hard-weighed him with his hand. It's like, do you know how hard it is to make someone bleed from punching them in the top of the head? I mean, it's not like you're you're you know, it's ve- it's not like you're punching them in the nose. It's very hard at the top of the head. And you see Taker go down on the ground, and you can see Taker kind of moving his head around his hand and things like that. I mean I, I think that they both bladed and I was losing my mind because I was like tweeting about it and I was just like, and I was trying to explain to people that weren't big wrestling fans. I was like, you don't understand the last time this happened, like there was hundred thousand dollar fines, you know, passed out and they don't do this anymore. And, but I kept thinking to myself, well, who the fuck is going to yell at these two guys because they're putting on a great match. Um, I thought it was great that they bladed so well, or they did it so well that no one knows kind of, and, and then WWE issues a statement the day after or that night saying, you know, we don't, we try to minimize it, but it does happen. And it's like, no, 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 you, you, this, this was planned. Um, 
And if it wasn't planned, they both knew what they were doing. Um, I thought it was really cool at the end how they kind of tore up the ring. I had never seen that done before. Like anytime you see something new that you haven't seen, like I, besides Nexus destroying the ring, I have never seen that where they kind of uh, pull the ring back. Um, and then again, they tied together the low blow thing, um, with Brock going over. They needed to put Brock over and keep him strong. So now Brock goes away to, to, to rumble probably. And, uh, at the end they had so much time left. They had, you know, great match, you know, Undertaker's still going strong. He still can put on a decent match with a good opponent. Um, and he proved that. And there was like 15 minutes left in the pay-per-view. And I was like, there's no way they're going to sign off 15 minutes for the top of the hour. Um, I did not expect what happened next. Like we talked about in the beginning with the Wyatts coming out and kind of beating his ass and crucifying him and bringing him to the back. Um, but what I did like about it was that it left you with a big question, which is what they usually don't do at the end of pay-per-views. They don't leave you with a big question. Um, this left you with like, well, what's going to happen? You know? And I, and I, and I like that, you know? Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, I, I, I'm a little foggy on the details. I don't know if the undertaker got any offense in. Um, I don't think he did. I don't think he did. The post-match story was like the undertaker standing up after this bit, like he could barely stand up after this, this match. And I just, I kind of hoped, you know, cause you knew it was going to happen once the Wyatts came out, they're going to surround the ring and you just kind of hoped that he would, like dig down even deeper and make, like you knew he was going to get his ass kicked but I kind of hope he would have got a couple of licks in before he finally went down he is the undertaker you know yeah I don't think he but, I, I think he might have had like maybe a punch or two thrown in to some of the Wyatts and they just kind of overpowered him um, yeah I my initial thought before it kind of sunk in what was happening before they took him away was Oh please God, don't don't put Bray in a program with Taker where he's going to lose again and have Bray lose another match. But then when I saw kind of what they did, I was like, okay, I don't mind Bray losing at Survivor Series if it's the Wyatts versus Team Undertaker, whatever that might be. Um, I just don't think Bray should be anywhere near Undertaker for WrestleMania. I don't know who Undertaker is going to go up with, go up against who they have in mind. It's still you know far away, um, but I just think it'd be they need to keep Bray as strong as possible. Like he should be billed as the next undertaker. And in this last year, he started out strong this last year, year and a half. They have just been just putting the shovel to him. I mean, ever since WrestleMania versus Cena, he had, he has not been booked strong. So I'd like that he was being booked as like this strong, like cult leader again. You know what I mean? Like let, let that be, let him be your heel. Like who's your top heel right now? Like Rollins, who everybody wants to cheer. You know, you know, there needs to be like really defined like heels and baby faces. Like they need to stop at this weird in between where it's like Cena and Reigns and and you're flip flopping people heel and baby face. Like let Bray Wyatt be your big company heel and see who can knock him off the mountain. Well, who can knock him off the mountain because he's lost he's lost so many times. If he was booked stronger, it would be it would be awesome to see someone try to beat Bray Wyatt. But he's been booked so weak, you know. I think it's weird they're trying to book him strong in spite of all the losses. Yeah. You know, it's like, Bray, you know, you just lost to Roman Reigns earlier in the night, and now you want to go after The Undertaker? Yeah. Think, like, think about it. I mean, I know he had his, his buddies with him, uh, and that helps. It, you know, it, adds, it it's a heat. It gets him a lot of heat, but... Yeah, I, I don't know. Overall, I would tell you... Overall, it left me... Uh, besides... 
besides the Ryback and Owens match, and maybe the maybe the Divas match, which was surprisingly better than I thought. I I really like this pay per view. I mean, I thought it was eight and a half out of ten. Um, eight out of ten. I it's it's it it got me excited about Raw, which. Again, I don't watch Raw live. I follow along online. I watch it on Hulu the next day. Sometimes I watch it live if somebody has it on. Um, because it's like, well, why do I need to watch it live? I can just follow along. But I actually wanted to see these matches that I was reading about as being so good online when they were happening, like Cesaro and Owens and things like that. Um, so I think it did a good job with that. I think they're in a really awesome spot right now because with Cena and Orton gone, and, you know, they're not doing anything with Ambrose. Um, they have Reigns. They have, you know, Cesaro, Owens, Bray Wyatt. I think they're in a really interesting spot to make their new stars right now. You know, they, this is, and maybe it's it took them getting a low, the lowest rating in, you know, 19 years or whatever it was. And maybe it took them, you know, losing Cena and Orton. But I think, like, Raw last night was one of the best Raws in the last six months. You know, I just, you know... You know I really thought it was a good Raw. Um, I thought the pay-per-view moved the Raw along. And now there's actually storylines that I'm starting to get invested in where I'm like, okay, well, where's this going to go? Um, which I haven't felt that in a long time. Well, I thought the great thing about Raw last night it was that it it progressed the way you would want things to progress. Like it was a meritocracy. You guys are getting this opportunity because you won last night. So wins and losses do matter. You know, you, if you win, you get these opportunities, you make the most of it. Uh, and so that's what I, that was the biggest takeaway last night for me was the meritocracy of, of the whole thing. Uh, if you win, good things will happen. And if you lose, that, you know, you won't get those chances. I and agree. also the, uh, I had a few matches that I wanted to see, but really there was no wrong combination for the people that, that were in the uh, that were in this tournament, for lack of I, for lack of a better term, a tournament. Uh, there was no wrong way to book them. They're all like people I wanted to see by and large. So I, we got a lot of fresh matchups last night. And I think and 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 the the matches like some of them didn't scream like this is going to be a good match, but they let them go. You know, I think like all of them went over ten minutes, which on Raw. It's a pretty long match. I mean, you even had was it Big E and Ziggler? I didn't think that Big E and Ziggler could do what they did, but they had a great match. You know, each one, you know, Del Rio and Neville. Um, you know, it, it was a prime example of he, people can lose and still look strong. So Cesaro lost, which I don't like, but he still looked very strong. Owens played that cowardly heel, and he basically was on the defensive the whole time. Neville looked great versus Del Rio, but Del Rio looked really good too. Big E still looked good against Ziggler. You know, all these guys who lost still look strong because the match itself was good. You know, and they could have easily, they this could have easily sucked. It could have sucked really, really bad, but they relied on let, letting the guys wrestle. Um, and again, I go back to, you know, Roman Reigns. Like, he came out, he said a few words, let that be it. Don't give him any more than a minute. Let him be a badass. Let him show because he's he he's clearly getting better. Um, let him show that athleticism and that mean streak. And you saw the end of Raw last night, like that moment when 
it was Reigns and Owens and the crowd for sitting there for three and a half hours popped like crazy because they knew they were going to get these two guys going at it, which could be a big feud down the line. And that the spot at the end um, where they were there when they were, you know, getting in the ring together and then Roman hit the, that cool variation of the punch, something different than him standing in the corner and doing it. And then the win, the, that was probably one of the loudest crowd reactions positively that Reigns has ever received. And it showed you that down the line, Owens and Reigns could be good together, and Del Rio looks better than ever, and uh, and Ziggler, still, you know, even though he's been fucked with for so long with with people in the company, and he's kind of been his own worst enemy, uh, still look good too. So I I was just blown away that they actually went with this tournament last night, and they actually pulled it off very very well, and uh, you know, like like you said with the Owens and Cesaro match, I've watched it once today. I'll probably watch it again later to sh- later to show it to my roommate because it was that good. Well, they did a good job, I thought, making it seem like anyone could win, even though they pretty much telegraphed it from the start by having Roman Reigns come out during the opening promo and say, like, I'm going to beat your ass, I'm going to win this match. Yep. I mean, so it was kind of a foregone conclusion, which I think was to the match's detriment, but the match itself made it appear like like they had a lot of false finishes and a lot of really nice spots. I did like the... Uh, there was a spot where Reigns did the curb stomp at the same time as Kevin Owens, or not the curb stomp, the drive-by, at the same time that Kevin Owens was doing the somersault sent on, like the cannonball in the yeah, corner. Yeah, right before, yeah right, right before the ending, that was great. Speaking of that, though, side note, I think it's hilarious that Reigns kept a, a move called the drive-by, and Rollins yes. had to do away with his curb stomp, which to me that yeah. makes absolutely no sense, because one's shooting and one's killing somebody on the side of a curb, but... Either way, both should. <laughs> I just think it's funny that those those that still exist. Um, but yeah, no, I thought Raw was. Uh, I thought it was good. I thought I think that I'm interested to see what happens with the the Wyatts and Taker and Kane. I'm interested to see what they're what they had planned for Owens because Owens last night nothing progressed with the IC belt just because he was involved in that whole Raw thing. Um, I like Paige's heel turn. I think Paige is a great heel. I think that they they need to be careful though because people are going to start cheering Paige and booing Charlotte and Becky if you keep booking them how they've been booked. Um, and for fuck's sake, put Sasha Banks on television. I love that woman. Like she is legitimately one of the best, I mean, I'll say this right now, probably one of the top 3 or 4 best women wrestlers of all time when you really look back at it. And what is she? 23, 24. Tons of charisma. Yeah. Everybody likes her. Um I just hope that they do the right thing with her. Um, but yeah, so have they put a microphone in her hand since she's debuted on the main roster? I I don't think so. I don't. No, I don't think I so. Mean, they should absolutely I'm, give her a microphone. Let her make you know. Let her show the the main roster why everyone loved her in NXT, even though she was a heel. Like her ring work speaks for itself. But the reason why she's up there among you know the the best to ever do it is because she's the total package. Agreed. I just uh, now that's what makes me nervous about Tyler Breeze. Like last night, they had Tyler Breeze sitting at ringside with the person I hate the most in the Divas division, Summer, uh, <laughs> and that whole angle. And what made Tyler Breeze Tyler Breeze was letting him shine in his in ring, in ring work and talk and cut a promo and introduce himself. They're just assuming that everybody knows who he is, and they just had him sit out there for the Ziggler, the Ziggler match, 
and nothing happened with him. A bit, you know, they just sat there, and there was no like discussion as to why he was there, or, like what he's actually here for. You know, and yeah, if you watch SmackDown, you saw him come out and say a few things, but SmackDown is very much a very much a B show, and not many people who watch Raw translate over to SmackDown. Um, so. You know, it's just this like this weird thing where I, I, I love all these guys in NXT, um, like Jason Jordan and Gable. Uh, I'm a huge Baron Corbin fan because he is such an asshole and it's so great. Um, you know, I think he could be a great heel. Uh, Enzo and Big Cass. I'm just really nervous that when these guys come up, they will be just kind of victim of this WWE corporate machine and they don't let them be who they really are. Um and for guys like me and you, we sit back and we go, well, why don't you just make NXT like WWE? And it's like, well, <laughs> um, because NXT is like a few small writers and it's Triple H and it's like, you know, they get to do their own thing and no Vince McMahon is there. Um, but I just, I just, my hope as a wrestling fan is that five to 10 years from now, WWE circles back around to what NXT is now, which is very little talking, more wrestling and let the, let the characters come out in the ring as opposed to, you know, corporate Kane backstage segments to say the least. So but, uh, but yeah, so um, that's going to do it. I think we're, geez, we're about hour and five minutes now, hour and hour and 10. Um, but I think we covered, I think we covered some good ground. I think that, I think that uh, for a first time podcast, I think people are going to like this, uh, like this thing. And if they don't like it, they can fuck off, you know, like honestly, like, <laughs> like we've been averaging, uh, God, it's been funny. We've been averaging like 55 to 75 plays a week, which is funny because I don't really ever like promote this or do anything for it. So I think people want like comprehensive podcasting that actually goes beyond kind of, uh, the Jim Rosses and the Jericho's and things like that kind of podcast where it's very safe. Um, I think this is good because, you know, we're both kind of the same age and we, you know, this is our take and we are the fans that are going to keep them in business. So they need to, um, at least know that there's people out there who have a, have an opinion and if we don't like it, we'll say it. And if we do like it, we'll say it. And, um, I think that overall they're overall in two nights, they showed me that they could possibly go in the right direction. So I'm, I'm positive. I think this is the most positive podcast I've ever done about them. I think, the first four or five were very negative because that was when they were just really, God, I mean, some of the decisions they were making the last four or five weeks has really had me scratching my head. Um, but I'm interested to see how it goes. And I, you know, I enjoyed myself. So if you ever, if you guys, uh, you know, enjoyed this episode, you know, we could have Derek back. Um, I, you know, I enjoyed this. I mean, especially a guy who keeps up with the, the, the product as much as me. And, um, you know, so we, we can definitely do this again if you're interested, man. Oh, that'd be fantastic. I've been listening for the last five episodes now. Yeah, I think um, I think it's been five. Yeah, it's been five. Yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah. And I I did really enjoy your interview uh, last week with Stuart, so I really appreciate you having me on. Oh, for sure, man, for sure. And we'll, um, I think as far as pay per view reviews, we might you know since we had such a you know if you're gonna watch every pay per view every month, maybe we'll do a monthly thing where we we review each pay per view each month. Maybe we'll do that. Um, oh, absolutely. Selfishly, I hope that Survivor Series is kind of terrible and they <laughs> save everything for TLC because. Uh, Chances are high that I'll be attending that. Oh, so okay. I, I, I don't want them to, to blow everything they have planned for a pay-per-view that I'm not going to be in attendance at. Yeah, I was, but you that's, know... that's just me. I was going to attend TLC, but then I found out that WWE is going to be in Lewiston the night before. And just the fact that it's going to be in Lewiston... And if people listening don't know Lewiston, Maine... Uh, it's pretty entertaining. Uh, you're going to see a lot of... A lot of UFC fights happen there, and a lot of, um... 
hockey and I want to say like monster truck jams happen at like the Lewiston Coliseum or whatever it's called. And uh, so I think just the, the people watching and the fact that it's the night before the Night of Champions and it's in Lewiston is going to be great. And for some reason, it's not a same day show. So they're not doing a show the same night like in New York, like last time when it was That's like a super show. It's a super show. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to work my magic right now, which is very little bit of magic uh, to try to get some backstage Maybe get some interviews there. Um, I know Tony Atlas is from Lewiston. I think he's going to be jumping on the podcast with us soon. He said uh, there might be a possibility of uh, meeting up with good old Mark Henry if he's going to be there, Um, which I would straight up ask Mark Henry. I'd be like, dude, how do you feel about getting buried right now? Um, (laughs) Just uh, They are just doing him dirty. But but yeah, so if you're listening to this today on Wednesday, um, I do want to say that this Saturday night, the Thirsty Pig on Exchange Street in Portland, there is a wrestling costume party uh, throwdown. Uh, it's highly recommended you come as a wrestler. Don't be that person who shows up dressed as a pirate. I've told you about this numerous weeks in a row. Um, I'm going to Finn Balor. My girlfriend's going to Sasha Banks. My roommate is going as Bray Wyatt. Uh, I think Ric Flair has been tossed out there. HBK, Hitman Hart. Um, it's going to be lots and lots of people, lots and lots of wrestling music, lots of Bissell Brothers beer. It's free to get in. Come dress as your favorite wrestler. Um, so hopefully a lot of the people from the group show up to this because uh, it's going to be it's going to be good. <laughs> so and also, too, you can you, uh, you know, uh, the next day is Sunday. Halloween's on a on a Saturday night this year. So you, you really have no excuses to not be there on Saturday night. I will think about it. Um, don't know. Maybe I'll come as like the doctor of thugonomics, Cena. That'd be fantastic. I know that uh, yeah. a friend of mine and his girlfriend are going as the SummerSlam Cena and the SummerSlam Rollins with the Stormtrooper pants. So, uh, oh, wow. yeah. So it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty good. Um, I think it starts at seven. I probably won't make it the whole night, just judging by uh, how excited I am about it. I'll probably uh, punch my ticket out of there at about eleven, but. Uh, uh, I'm excited to see everybody. Everybody's taking it really seriously. Put it this way: my girlfriend's already done some test runs on her hair for Sasha Banks. So, uh, so yeah. So I'm pretty excited to see what this uh, what this turns out like. So, um, if you don't come, look for the pictures. They're going to be good. <laughs> oh, they're going to be fantastic. All right, man. I'm going to wrap this up. Uh, thank you again, Derek, for coming on, man. We're going to like let, let let's do that every month. Pay per view review, um, and uh, you know, thank you guys for. Uh, you know, listening and telling everybody about this and rating it. You know, uh, it's been fun doing this. Um, and uh, we will catch you next time. Uh, Derek, thank you very much, man. And uh, thank you guys. Find us on, uh, you know, it's fake right.podbean. You know, it's fake right on iTunes. Subscribe, like, send me an email, send me hate mail. You know, it's fake right at Gmail, whatever you want. And if you want to send me some monster, just send me a personal email. And I will meet you somewhere because I want to give you my address. And we can meet up or you can give me some monster to keep me fueled up, keep me going to do this podcast to the best of my ability. Check us out next week. Have a good week, guys. Take care of yourself. Thank you, Derek. And uh, take care, everyone.